All I'm saying is it's a good job that our off-microphone recorded conversations have never leaked out onto the internet because uh, I'm sure we could get you sacked from running United Rant. Uh, there's some absolute disgraceful behaviour on this podcast off-air. But you see, the problem with women is that they just can't they just can't record podcasts. It's it, uh, let's just let's just get that out of the way. That stupid stupid subject. It's not worth waiting for. Uh, Andy Gray and Richard Keys displayed a level of sexism appeared to display a level of sexism which is just plain sad to me that more than anything else i just think if you go through life holding those kind of opinions your your life is going to be a lot less rich than it would be if you were a little bit more open-minded yeah i mean it's uh, it's impossible to defend anything that they said or, or did I, I do get a feeling there's some politics going on here don't you all of a sudden all these videos got leaked and ended up on youtube and went everywhere all at the same time just as andy gray was seeing the news of the world over the, the phone tapping thing so it's it seems pretty obvious they've been stitched up, but yeah, rightly so, many people might say. Yeah. It appears, of course, all this comes out in the wash in, in a scandal like this, that um, that it was a pretty sexism-rich culture and a culture of bullying at Sky, and, and there's an attempt to change things. And, and in any case, I think there's a long overdue uh, need for a refresh at Sky. I mean, as brilliant as their coverage is, and I think we talked during the World Cup, didn't we, about how poor the punditry was during the World Cup. And I, I think generally it's the coverage is pretty good at, at Sky, yeah. And they've been one of the most innovative broadcasters in football. Whatever you think of, of Rupert Murdoch and his gang. I think he's a force for evil in the world. That's what I think. That that may well be so. And and, and all that goes with that. But Sky have been a pretty good broadcaster over the years. And they, they've done a lot for English football. You know, a lot of bad has come of it as well. In, in terms of the, what has happened with ownership and all the money that's flowed in and out of the game. And global capitalism and all that. But that's, I guess, a different story. Point being, uh, they needed a refresh anyway so this is coming at convenient time and uh, alongside all the politics and but uh, you know I, I think perhaps sexism is uh, along with uh, homophobia the uh, the last two areas that uh, football needs to clean up badly and there, there's what one senior female executive in football no, no female managers or coaches and uh, I suppose you wouldn't expect them in the in the game because they don't play the same professional game but you know on the executive side there's no real excuse for it and and clearly at Sky there's this this you know, offensive lads culture that just hadn't been eradicated. There's a few things I kind of want to say about that. J- uh, Jim Campbell from the Football Ramble wrote a blog saying basically Richard Keyes just wants sacking anyway. He already wanted sacking because he's just rubbish. He's kind of smug and self-satisfied and contributes little or nothing. He's not charming and there are many yeah. better alternatives out there in football. Which I, I kind of, I definitely have some sympathy for that point of view. For a start, I'm like really personally uncomfortable comfortable with advocating someone else losing their job that's not something that comes naturally to me it's not like he'll uh, struggle for money though really well, 1.7 million pounds a year he's he's done all right well no 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 absolutely not They're, sure i'm just saying like it's not it doesn't i'm not a person who's quick to wish harm on anybody you know but the thing is i think he should be sacked for what he said i think he should be sacked for that comment for holding that attitude when you're the lead anchor on the most significant right broadcaster of the national sport of your country and a sport which is increasingly appealing to women when the attendance amongst women is increasing you know just uh, what's the word anecdotally I know 
far more women who I would have proper serious conversations with about football than would have been the case I suspect 20 years ago you know the the gender divide is kind of definitely changing within football so to hold such overtly sexist views and and to be prepared to kind of the most damning part of that audio file was for me apart from Andy Gray saying but everyone knows women don't understand the offside rule saying it like it was an absolute fact which is ridiculous on so many levels because obviously it's just a stupid thing to say he's using women as a synonym for women in 1970s sitcoms and but also like hasn't all the discussion around the offside rule in the last three years essentially boiled down to God, it's a bit complicated this on this offside rule isn't it there's no way anybody could understand this you right. know what i mean it's like it's ridiculous and and she's she's a 25 year old premiership assistant referee i think she's going to understand the offside beyond stupid but then for keys to talk about karen brady complaining about sexism in football and finishing off the sentence with do me a favor love and you just break down the attitude that lies under yeah, the yeah, sentence yeah. do me a favor love and it, it's it's the worst kind of male chauvinism and the thing about sexism is that it has uh, in the international debate on political correctness and uh, attitudes within our society sexism is just taken less seriously than racism when really it's a it's a kind of moral crime on the same level it, it, it's it's just it's just really sad and i'm kind of glad that the general response to that has been no look this is unacceptable these people cannot sustain this position yeah i don't no, I, I think that's right and they're in, they're in the public eye and uh, of course they're, they're defence uh, was completely wrong and it, it's just a banter and, and yes that probably does happen in dressing rooms up and down it certainly happens on, on any group of lads going out being laddish and, uh, and you know, I'm sure uh, many people uh, listening will attest to that it doesn't mean it's right and I think it's absolutely true that these two guys who are very prominent figures in the world of football need to set a, a standard that's higher than everyone else and, and they pay for it with their jobs and I think rightly so and, and you know, maybe maybe that's the first step in breaking down some of the other barriers that uh, exist in football. Yeah, we might end up with the real-life manageress, like in the television series from Channel 4 from the 80s. Yes, I, th- I think that's quite unlikely, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, you said that, that they play a dif- women play a different game, a game at a different level or a different, you know, it works differently, but there's really no reason you couldn't have a woman manager. Jose Mourinho did not play to a high level. I agree with you, I agree with you. I just think there's, uh, there's an extra level of stigmatism of course Sean Massey the the assistant in question actually did play football professionally or or, or to whatever standard the, uh, the the women's league is uh, in in England you couldn't even level that accusation at her she's uh, more qualified in that sense than many of the male assistants and referees out yeah and there's there's that point in which she made a really kind of tight call and got it right and you just can't help thinking oh I'm so glad that decision was right because you just I just don't want to hear the nonsense of you know women can't do that. it's just it's it's an insane yeah. night. it's an insane notion but yes um and so we won't have andy gray so that that it's going to be quite a change my my big fear about this whole situation though is big sam co-commentating on fifa 12 that would be uh, that would be really quite bad 
<laughs> you see, the problem when I think of Big Sam is I, I can't think of him without thinking of at the underscore Big Sam on Twitter. <laughs> and you, anyone who follows uh, the Big Sam on Twitter will know exactly what I mean. Um, I have to say, uh, talking of Twitter, Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, just, uh, just my love and respect for that man is growing all the time. Having himself, you know, said some very stupid things in his right, life yes. and done some stupid things in his life. It, him kind of coming out straight away and saying this is a ridiculous discussion if women if it's a good assistant if it's a good official that's really all that matters it's a very simple thing to say but it, I think someone such a senior figure in the game to say it it's it's quite quite good I thought Rio of course has a, a, a somewhat of a problem here because uh, he called Chris Moles a faggot on Radio 1 and, and uh, yeah whole other debate I suppose but uh, not acceptable as a, a term of offence no. uh, for which he, he kind of semi-apologised and this was a while ago so you know maybe he's grown up now yeah so anyway should we talk about football because it's not been a shortage of really amazing incidents on the pitch featuring Manchester United since we last spoke no a couple of cracking games in one way or another five goals for Dim Tarbertov he seems to be scoring all these bursts just a bizarre game at Blackpool in, in which I thought uh, we had 20 minutes of exhilarating rating football from United at the end preceded by 70 minutes of utter dross and then against Birmingham probably United's most complete uh, performance of the season there were, there were bits of it it just didn't quite work United and it seems strange saying that when they won 5-0 uh, but but yeah. it, it only really does. It seems ridiculous, in fact. But but it just didn't work sometimes. And but Birmingham were that poor that, that uh, the goals flowed anyway. Uh, in the round, I think probably the most complete performance United season against the, the Brummies. I mean, we have to talk about some of those goals because they were absolutely stunning. The was it the third goal, Giggs's goal with the interplay between Berbatov and Rooney and the back heel from Rooney and the ball across to Giggs and the absolutely phenomenal and Ryan. Giggs was brilliant in that game. He, he was, yeah. In fact, I thought he was brilliant in both games. He came on and made a, a very big difference against Blackpool. Yeah, I'm going to talk a lot about Ryan Giggs when we get to the Blackpool game, but the, but for the Birmingham game, he was good too. And Berbatov was absolutely outstanding. And I thought Rooney was great too, dropping very, very deep and he had a, a, yeah, a significant performance, I thought, uh, in terms of his influence on the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it was great to see, I mean, you say it didn't quite work all the time, but, but an incredibly functional Manchester United side putting putting a team to the sword ruthless in kind of accumulating that that goal difference you know which is it's going to be potentially still really important at the end of the season so fantastic to get those goals absolutely brilliant to see Berbatov in this form I mean you know I've been banging on about Berbatov I feel incredibly vindicated by Berbatov's form this season because all last season you know we kind of got comments saying look it's just time to stop saying that he's been used out of position and his form's dipped because his confidence is dipped he's just not doing a job for United and, and like fair enough he, he was playing really badly but but I feel that the basic argument that we made time and time again which is that the reason that he was playing badly is because he's been playing out of position and then he come, he drop, he loses confidence at which time at which point he stops being effective and that that has just proven to be exactly the case because he's he's been used for his strengths this season and I put on Twitter during um, the, the I think it was the Birmingham game but players like Berbatov are why I like 
like football. You know, I, that's the amazing, talented players who can kind of take your breath away at, at any moment by doing something outrageous is what makes football exciting. It's why Eric Cantona is my favourite player of all time. And Berbatov's, you know, gonna he's, he's in with a shout of getting up there for me because, it, you know, over his career, because he's just an absolute joy to watch when he's playing well. He is, he is a joy to watch. And there are very, very few players like him. And, and he, I think he was treated unfairly in, in many respects in terms of his position. And, we, and you're right, we talked about this again and again, didn't we? And uh, and now he's playing right up top as a number nine, effectively. And Rooney's playing a lot deeper. And, and uh, it, conversely, of course, we, we argue that, that Rooney's position was truly you know, in that deeper position. And he hasn't quite worked. I mean, he, he did play there against Birmingham. He did drop deep a lot. And he had a very effective game. Uh, but the other parts of his game haven't quite come here. I, I, I come in and I, I don't think that's a don't think that's a tactical issue with Rooney there's, there's other things at play but, but Berbatov yep he's he's finally justifying that fee it, what 19 goals so far this season it's a, it's the most his most productive for United uh, by miles um, and, and the performances are there and the confidence is there confidence enough uh, against Blackpool to take the final goal on his own when he, he could have passed it and that's good to see as well because the, the Berbatov of old would have passed in almost any shooting position and, and and uh, that was one of the serious criticisms against him. And it's, it's great to see. He, 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 this form, if it continues, might well win United the title. And, and then he'll have vindicated Ferguson's decision to stick with him in the summer or not to sell him. Or, you know, there's some, uh, as we discussed earlier in the, the year, some politics around that. But And Ferguson's decision to pay all that money for him for a 28-year-old, you know, Berbatov will turn 30 soon. And, and it's it's kind of about time that he, he did this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, obviously... I- I, I would suggest that whatever happens between now and the end of the season, the decision not to sell him in the summer has been thoroughly vindicated because where would we be right now without Berbatov uh, this season? So, so I think that that's already happened, really. The, the justification of the huge price tag when he came to the club, that I think you're right. I think that, that needs us to, to kick on and win, win some of these trophies we're, uh, we're contending for between now and the end of the season. And that game against Blackpool might have nudged us closer. I mean, talk about the form of champions absolutely rubbish in the first half rub the maybe the worst performance I've seen since that fateful New Year's Day when we lost 3-4-1 to QPR it was awful it was just truly awful and I, I don't think 2-0 justify, uh, did justice to, to Blackpool's performance who were very good and Charlie Adam uh, you know, uh, living up to his billing uh, I, I thought it was very good too but just the interplay between the Blackpool players their, their willingness to throw men forward at any, uh, any point and, and take uh, take lots of risks and United just all over the place the, they just in no shape to the side at all well uh, there was a shape and it was a fucked up shape and whoop apple <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you you want to re-record that Ed? especially with Rooney sort of half wide left half up front the three men in midfield not really sure which one of them were, was on the right of them or the left and the, the fact that there was really no cover for the defence and the back four all out position just didn't work at all did it not even slightly and and the personnel. I mean, pe- people were having a bad game as well. I mean, I, at halftime, I, I said on Twitter, "This has been coming. This this performance has been coming." Two things: one, I, I think this performance is coming, and two, I honestly think we're going to turn this around and win this game. I really did think at halftime that that's what was going to happen because it was just very clear that you get Gibson off that pitch and put Giggs in instead. I mean, I tell you what, that how we're going to replace Ryan Giggs, goodness knows. But I tell you what, the answer isn't, and that's Darren Gibson wide on the left because that was just a joke I mean 
I was very pleased when Ferguson changed things to bring Rooney central because Rooney was having a horrid, horrid game on the left. But Gibson going out there did, did not improve matters. He, he was extremely poor. And two things turned the game. One was bringing on Ryan Giggs and the other was bringing on Hernandez for Rooney. And, and Scott from Republic of Mancunia said at the point at which Hernandez scores, is this where Rooney loses his starting place? Because it probably should be. I, I mean, I, I thought Rooney was atrocious in that game. Just, just uh, he had an absolute shocker. He really did have one, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was awful. And it, it's hard to defend him. It really is. Uh, it's not like he should be short of fitness anymore. He's, he's played a, you know, a whole bunch of games in a row. And what can you say? He's just, he's just playing horribly. I mean, as, as good as he was against Birmingham, he still didn't manage to get on the score sheet. No, and he missed, he missed the chance. You know, I mean, that, that, that header he missed was just, you know, absolute vintage. Here is a player out of form and confidence because, because it was a complete sitter and, and last season before he got injured last season there's no way he would have missed that you know yes no absolutely and uh, it's, it's been well not only a year now hasn't it yeah. since uh, well March March 21st when he uh, injured that ankle against Bayern Munich so yeah 11 months of really mediocre performances and in the middle of which he'd blackmailed the club into giving him a massive pay rise and, and uh, it's hard to justify that now isn't it based on these performances yeah I mean you have to have to have to hope that this is a form is temporary class is permanent thing but there is definitely there's definitely a chance he'll never recapture that sort of form definitely because you know I, I think it's unlikely I think more likely he will come good but I, I think he is I think he's struggling mentally in a really 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 big way I think he I think he's in quite a bad way that, that would be my speculation from watching him and and just how poor his first touch is when he starts to lose confidence you know and then and then and then suddenly he finds it again he'll try something and it works and you can sort of see almost visibly see the burden lifting off him and I think he could go on a run and get it together but he but he definitely needs to because he's got to do something to justify that insane amount of money he's being paid every week yeah well uh, we'll see whether all those conspiracy theories about uh, United moving him on in the summer will come true or not if I was Manchester City right now I probably wouldn't have him well that's the thing I mean now it becomes like well it might not be a conspiracy theory at all it might just be that Ferguson has taken a look at him and gone wait a minute he's just not doing it I have to say I think it's way 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 too early to write him off I'm, I'm, I would hate this to be misinterpreted as, as me writing him off because there's clearly every chance he'll come good uh, yes well let, let's hope so and let's hope it, let's hope it happens around about the time United get into the last stages of the Champions League and the running in which we have to play Chelsea twice and Arsenal and, and all of that can we can we talk a little bit about the good stuff in that Blackpool game um, yeah. because because what an incredible performance that was once we once we got that first goal back it was just never in doubt was it no I mean uh, it, it wasn't as if Blackpool's heads dropped though I, I thought they you know they kept going at it and and that was part of the reason why uh, United were able to, to open them up uh, but yeah uh, just brilliant and Hernandez made a huge difference uh, great touch and, and goal Berbatov you know great third goal and United just kept piling forward and, and uh, Berbatov said afterwards that he none of, none of the team had any doubts that if they got one they'd get a whole loan and Ryan Giggs I I just I, it was I just I was just staggered by Giggs's performance. He just he changed everything. Every time he looked got the ball he looked like he was absolutely terrifying the opposition. At one point he just pulled the ball out of the sky and and kind of controlled it and moved into a run all in one fluid motion and and just 
absolutely the years just completely rolled back and and you could see the effect he was having on the younger players around him you know just the, the, the kind of inspirational leadership and and all that kind of stuff he he was just he was just mesmerizingly good i thought yeah he he was uh, as good as gibson bad and <laughs> I, I i was having a chat uh, to to another united fan at, at work we were of the opinion that gibson was existentially poor not in in some philosophical sense but he doesn't deserve Right. to exist that's how poor he is no that's um, I'm afraid that I do not endorse that opinion however bad you are at football doesn't mean you don't deserve to fundamentally exist as a human being but he doesn't know how to call an offside day does he <laughs> I bet he doesn't he, he was he was awful and he's not going to make it as a United player but I, I I still hope I'm wrong about that just can't see it can you just there's just nothing there that suggests he's ever going to do it no no he's just he's just way he's just he's way off he's way off I was talking to somebody about that uh, in relation to Darren Fletcher and, and saying like well I, I, I always thought I never really thought that Fletcher would make it and he's, he's at points been been absolutely vital to United recently and the person I was talking to about it said it, it was always different with Fletcher he always had something he had some physical attributes and, and a kind of heart and all that stuff and you, you could see something in him that was might not have been technically there but, but you, you could definitely he definitely had something about him but Gibson doesn't even seem to have that he, apart from his shooting which which he, he's got a good shot on him, but it, it's not that effective. His shooting, he's he's very wasteful with it a lot of the time. But anyway, I kind of fed up about talking about what was bad about that performance because it left me on such a high. And one of the things that was really unfortunate um, after a phenomenal performance was the injury to Raphael. But fortunately, it looks like that's not as serious as it might have first appeared because it, it was pretty touch and go there, wasn't it? It looked very scary. Yeah, I think I think they're just very cautious, aren't they, with any kind of head injury? And and uh, it seems like it's a concussion. He'll miss the Southampton game, but it should be back a week afterwards. So, uh, fortunately, it could have been an awful lot worse. And, and whenever they put a neck brace on, it, it looks very, very serious. But I, I think they'll leave him out the Southampton game as a precaution, and, and he'll be back very shortly afterwards. You know, fortunately, and, and I guess we'll it'd be actually it'd be nice to see Fabio against Southampton because you know, they are League One sides. Uh, I, I would expect some changes, and uh, hopefully not not ten or eleven. The extent to which yeah, Ferguson did last season, we got knocked out by Leeds, but it would be nice. See Fabian, he, he can, you can feel he does need a few games. He, if not, if not in the United States, he probably needs to get on loan, which doesn't look like it will happen. And no, I'm not really sure there's a whole lot of benefit John O'Shea getting a game. No, absolutely. Um, but I almost always feel that there's not much benefit in John O'Shea getting a game. Maybe that's a bit harsh. But little Fabio's face when his brother was in trouble, he, he looked so worried, heart wrenching. He, he was, and then he followed him off down the tunnel. Sort of quite sweet, really. Quite nice to have your twin brother around if you're a professional footballer I suppose yes yes and uh, yeah they, they, uh, poor little Fabio he did, did look all upset didn't he did. Harry Raphael got married in the summer so they're both married now I, know, I knew Fabio had like a 12 year old bride but uh, Raphael's gone got one too <laughs> are they the same is she just is she related in any way to fabio's wife do you know i have no idea do you think they did a bit of swapping no 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 would they <laughs> oh god oh it doesn't bear thinking about i did think it was hilarious and actually would have been finally a good justification for the we're man united we do what we want chant when ferguson was talking about when rafael got banned talking about just playing fabio in a rafael shirt yeah i mean rafael in a fabio shirt nobody would know that was uh, quite stylish and 
City fans last night were singing, we're Birmingham City, we do what we want. I'll tell you what, if, if ever there was a chant that I don't mind if it got stolen and taken off us, it would be that one. Yeah, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the chant. It's it's not clever. It's just arrogant. And But, I, I mean, you can kind of, it kind of makes some sense because you know, United the biggest and there's this, and it is kind of, you know, United fans have had a long history of, of self-mocking. So I, I wonder if there's a touch of irony. Not very much, got to say. Not enough, not enough for my liking. It's a, it's a modicum, just, you know, little, little weeny bit of it. So you can kind of see where it comes from and the, the, the kind of, you know, the parody of United fans being arrogant, maybe. <laughs> mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'd buy the line that it's a parody. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's my story. I'm sticking with it. But but it makes no sense whatsoever. Even if, if, you, if you buy that, that there's, it makes some sense for United, it makes none for Birmingham. None. No, absolutely. And, and I have to say, actually, I've been thinking about that chant quite a lot. And I think it's, uh, I almost feel like it's a chant uh, born of some kind of denial. The the situation with the Glazers, uh, the relentless increase in ticket price and the the gentrification of football and the removal of the community core of football makes that chant kind of ironic in a sad way, actually, because quite the opposite of we're Man United, we do what we want. We're Man United and we do what Sky tell us to do or we're forced to have our club owned by people that we don't want to own the club and it's almost like and I, I I would argue that this is unconscious rather than conscious it's almost like an unconscious reaction to the removal of power to kind of overtly celebrate the existence of this kind of fictional power but anyway it's, it's a bit of a Freudian analysis of the situation and uh, I may may well be reading too much into that one do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yes okay I just you know we've got a Man United podcast and these are the types of thoughts that go around my head so I thought that what what better forum for them than this so sorry about that listeners one thing uh, that I'm definitely sorry about is that next season we will have to have a different number one because Edwin van der Sar is, has said nope that's it I'm, I'm packing up my gloves I'm hanging up my boots 40 he said you can't go around playing Superman in your 40s very sad because he's in the form of his life this season you could argue Edwin van der Sar is, has said he will definitely retire in the summer I, I think we long ex- suspected that this would happen and Eric Steele has been basically saying the, saying it for a while now and, and United have been on the hunt for a, a replacement goalkeeper for quite a long time you know checking out many people across Europe and, and so it's no surprise but, but he's had a great career a real gentleman and he's done great for United over what six years now and just a real shame that uh, the club didn't actually manage to get him in 99 he said his only regret is that it took him such a long time to join United and and once again it means that we're going to have a summer of talking about van der Sar's replacement and let's hope beyond hope that we don't end up in the post Schmeichel situation again where we're ferreting around for a goalkeeper for years on end yeah that that wouldn't be good and but it but I have to say it probably comes down to money now uh, are United going to buy a top class keeper or or is Anders Lindegaard going, going to get it and we're going to hope that he uh, he comes good well I mean the, at the, the press conference or whatever it was about van der Sar leaving they did say that they were they were not looking to promote from people that were already within the club but they were going to actually look for a replacement for Van der Sar um, yes they, that's what they said <laughs> you're suggesting that Manchester United press office might lie about these things just just no comment <laughs> would you bash it yeah you'd bash it <laughs> god I, I really but I don't think we should let that catch on as a theme it's really horrible well, I'm just going to tuck my trousers in you, you want to have to tuck these trousers in <laughs> 
Oh dear. So uh, Berbatov's managed to make himself the leading scorer in the Premiership by, by quite a few goals. Is, is Tevez on 14? I think Tevez is on 14. Tevez is definitely hanging out the back of Berbatov right now. It's, uh, sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> I, I'm on a, a Richard Keyes-a-thon. I, I, I don't really understand what that means, but it sounds really, really unpleasant for Berbatov. Anyway, we, we've got to go to Southampton at the weekend. Last time, well not last time, but I, one of the, the very famous moments I'll always remember again Southampton is when Ferguson made us change our kit at half time and was roundly mocked for it by I maintain he was absolutely right about that and then we really were having trouble picking out our players against that foggy seaside grey if you don't know the story um, perhaps some of our younger listeners might not remember it Ed because we're, we're old men now we were losing at half time on a foggy day to Southampton this was in a season where our away kit was grey and uh, Fergie maintained that players couldn't pick each other out and that's they did have a load of scientists in the newspapers afterwards saying that grey is, is, is not a good colour to actually uh, to see. But it, got, it went well with jeans, apparently, so that's why United had that grey kit. Interesting. I think that's a really terrible way to choose your kit, isn't it? To see what goes well with jeans. Because I know probably the predominant purpose of a football kit nowadays is actually just to generate revenue for the club, but isn't there some aspect to which it should be fit for purpose as a football kit? Yeah, there probably is some aspect to that, yes, but probably not the primary consideration but anyway uh, I, I, I don't suppose United will be either wearing grey or have any trouble with Southampton at the weekend I mean for sure there'll be some changes and uh, I, I guess we'll see Cusack in goal actually maybe maybe Lindegaard will get a game maybe doesn't, doesn't seem like it uh, Cusack's had the, had the nod up till now uh, I think Lindegaard's only been available for three or four games or something so. but, but it might be a good uh, it might be a good game to blood him and uh, maybe a few of the fringe players I suppose Evan and Smalling might both play. Fortunately, we might see Darren Gibson. So it would be nice if they sold Darren Gibson to Southampton. We saw him on the other side. <laughs> I, I don't think Gibson will play, actually, because he was so bad against Blackpool. Maybe he will. Maybe he will anyway, but he, I don't know. I can't wonder if he's going to be punishment dropped. If, if Evans and Smalling play together, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can cope with a, a League One attack playing together because they've not looked good as a two, have they? No, well, I mean, I, I have no real worries about Smalling playing against you know, some big burly strikers or you know, and a bit of direct football or anything like that. Evans, on the other hand, really does struggle with that. So yep, they, they've, got to, they've got to come good at some point and, and they probably do need to play. Uh, uh, I was going to say play with each other, but that'd be back on the Richard Keys line of thinking, wouldn't it? I think it's probably it's probably the right decision for them both to play. I mean, Rio's had this this uh, this uh, groin problem, hasn't he, recently? And uh, yeah, Nemanja Vidić doesn't need to play in that game, and and uh, there'll be a few other some of the older players. No need for them to play either. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so what, what's your eleven then? Do you think, Ed? It's just a hard one to pick out. Uh, what would I like to see? I'd like to see. I'd like to see Lindegaard given a, a game. Might as well see how good he is. I mean, Cusack's not going to be United's number one next season. I'd like to see Fabio, Smalling and Evans all play, and I don't really care who plays at left back in that case. Uh, and maybe some, maybe we need to have some experience. Maybe Gary Neville comes into the side at, at right back. And and I think Anderson's due a game. Uh, and one, it depends on whether Michael Carrick's fit. So he was touch and go for the, for the game against Blackpool. So you, you never know. He might be fit. He probably deserves the game. And, and Park Ji Sung may well be back, although I suppose he'll deserve a break after having played what, five or six games out of the Asia Cup. And Hernandez has to start. That's the other thing. He, re- he really deserves it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think he probably deserves to be 
starting in the Premiership, let alone against Southampton. Yes, I, I, I did. Uh, I did ask this question on Twitter, and quite a few people came back to me and said, "No, the reserves need to start, so Rooney should play." <laughs> yes. Yes, wit. Um, yeah, irony, but with some truth there, I think. It, it would be, yeah, it'd be great to see Hernandez play. What about a game for a player we haven't talked about much recently, who apparently had a pretty poor game for the reserves the other day, uh, Bebe? Yeah, maybe maybe we'll have a game. I mean, it's, it's, it's still the most bizarre transfer in years isn't it and and uh, we were just chatting before the podcast and, and uh, the David Conn pieces in the Guardian this week about finances in football and a little more detail on the Bebe story really not that much detail but some interesting facts about how Destafute the Jorge Mendes agency how, how I think two weeks before the transfer they signed him up and bought 30% of his economic rights for 100,000 euros and then of course got wrapped three and a half million euros in commission a fortnight later so yeah the, the wonderful world of football finance where you can be paid 3.4 million euros for two weeks work I, I wish i was in that game paul yeah nice work if you can get it it, it was it was it was an article that as we said before before we started recording that there wasn't a huge amount of new information but it was just it just it just felt extremely seedy the whole thing didn't it so it's, it's a very strange transfer very very strange and and for, for all the good things i mean he scored a few goals hasn't he and he got a couple of crackers in one game in one reserve game yeah um, and he's he hasn't played for united since the west ham game in which he was completely awful Mm. And just all over the place, and he, you know, I had a feeling that he just didn't have a clue where he needed to be on the pitch at any one time. And there's been some some talk since then, which is actually something not not that you know, not that Fergie and the coaching staff li- listen to the rank cast. Although you know, given they've changed Berbatov's position around, maybe. But but I did <laughs> I did say I didn't think he was a winger, and I didn't think he cut it. There. He just doesn't have a positional sense. So there's some talk about them trying to make him into an out and out striker. I actually think he's pretty good in sort of a three as a kind of neither striker nor winger sort of wide forward uh, where he gets to. He he won't necessarily have to work with his back to goal and he can just run run the channels but still we'll um we'll see whether that works or not it might be the last desperate attempt to get some value out of him because they're not going to be able to sell him for much who's going to buy him no wonder fergie doesn't think there's any value in the transfer market look how much bebe cost well i'm sure he saw there's some value when he flogged ronaldo to real madrid for 80 million but yes yeah, so, oh, let's not get onto this because i will start ranting again and <laughs> that's that's why the site's called what it's called isn't it and um, so i guess that probably wraps it up for yet another another episode of the rank cast i'm sort of looking forward to the southampton game but, but fa cup weekends i always feel a bit sort of i don't know when it gets to the tail end of the fa cup it gets exciting again but but the fourth and fifth round it's a bit like oh come on hurry up i wouldn't mind a league game because it's getting really exciting in the league that the run-in we've definitely got a tough run-in haven't we between now and the end of the season tough running tough running yes and then and we're not improving on the road gotta gotta say that it's just just not not really that good away from home you wonder if there's some sort of turning point in that blackpool game maybe we won't be that bad again this season because it is the worst we've been all season and and like we've been close to that bad a few times but never been quite that bad maybe maybe that will be a turning point and we'll we'll get it together to some extent i have to say um there's been a lot of talk this season about how good Nemanja Vidic is and rightly so and how good his performances are and, and there's been some argument to say that he's perhaps one of the most logical choices for player of the season and i certainly wouldn't say this to his face but i 
I somewhat thought that the game against Blackpool showed what, what I've thought for some time, which is that Rio just makes everyone around him look so good in a kind of unsung way. Not not that Vidic hasn't been fantastic this season, because he has, but, but without Rio, he looked a shadow of himself. Yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't good. And, but I, I think you're right, I... Uh... I think I think Rio just uh, he's just he's just such a classy player that he that he does you know he does bring out the best in everyone else and and Vidic has been an absolute beast this season he really has but but yeah it's it's his best performances have definitely come alongside Rio yeah and and I I I kind of feel like that you know a lot of people have written off Chelsea because they're so many points behind which is which is a reasonable thing to do because they they are a lot of points behind but they have got to play us home and away and you know theoretically that means that if they play well and we don't they they could instantly take six points off that gap uh, against us anyway so I still sort of feel like this season is a is a four horse race for the title I, I suspect City won't have the uh, composure and experience at the, the top level um, obviously uh, that that you need to win the title and I, I suspect Arsenal are still perhaps too brittle but but we by no means look despite the fact that we're rather ironically unbeaten in the league um, we certainly don't look invincible, do we? On the current form, uh, you're blowing hot and cold. I cannot see United going the season unbeaten. I mean, it really doesn't matter if we lose a couple of games as long as we start picking up points, and, and especially away from home, need to be picking up those three points, not draws. And uh, and you know, of course, you then trade three draws for two wins and a loss. Uh, that would be absolutely fine. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's coming right at the moment. I think I think it's going to be quite close. I know we have a, what, a five point lead or whatever it is, but but it's hard to see United going unbeaten. There's some really tough games. Arsenal and Chelsea twice. You'd figure United are going to lose one of those somewhere, but we'll, you know we'll 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 see. But it's certainly going to be exciting. And and the the Blackpool game sort of I don't know. I I kind of feel like we're going to win the league. I know it's ridiculous, and, and obviously no stock should be set in it. But I actually I do feel like we're going to win the league from here from this position. I, I think the will to win shown at Blackpool was really really heartening to see. It was a proper Sir Alex Ferguson type comeback you know and it, it was good to see that much heart on display in the team and it, if we can if we could display that much heart and if Rooney comes good all that kind of thing if Rooney comes good we could win the Champions League yeah, yeah I, th- I think you probably are getting overexcited but yeah you, you, you never know you never know all right well thanks for joining us for yet another episode we've had some lovely feedback and apparently there are reviews on the canadian itunes store for the united ramp podcast well, i don't know if we get to see them or not or if what we see is just the english ones uh, no no idea about that but thank you for all the feedback on twitter i'd like to give a special thanks to at trisha arcade G, formerly Roy Keane's gum on uh, Twitter, who uh, was uh, very kind about last week's episode. So thank you very much for that. And uh, we'll be back next week with another one of these, I guess. We certainly will. See you then.